True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on September 16th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. Today on the show, Trey Jamison looked pretty, pretty good in his debut. Shane O'Mac is back. Week 25 sleepers, two-star pitchers, and much more. Before we get into it, Scotty, listening to the Kokomo Friday theme song, which obviously we love, we're jamming out, I wonder how many years we'll have to go in the future before we think who the heck was Connor Joe? (laughs) (laughs) That is the downside. Yes. Yes. You make it, you make it too topical. Then uh, it's going to become, it's going to sound dated very soon, even though it's fun and it's wonderful in the moment. Oh, look at this. Like it's just so, so well suited for our show, but yeah, already it's like, (laughs) Connor, Connor Joe will never be a fantasy entity again. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. He couldn't get it done in Colorado. That's it. Hey, you know, I actually sent out a few trade offers in the Scott White Dynasty League earlier in the season, and thankfully they were turned down because, fr- uh, frankly, I do agree with you. I don't have much faith uh, in our boy Connor Joe, but for the real OGs out there, a couple of years from now, we'll be looking back and you'll remember, hopefully, who Connor Joe is. Let's get into it. Oh my good goodness gracious! Oh my goodness gracious, Scotty, you are up. All right, I I will take the low-hanging fruit, the Olive Garden breadstick. I will take Dre Jameson, who, yes, much like his rookie fellow rookie teammate, Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson had a brilliant seven-inning debut against the Padres. Two hits allowed, no runs, struck out five. Eight swinging strikes on 90 pitches. I mean, that's that's not an impressive number, and five strikeouts in seven innings, I guess, is not particularly impressive either. But two hitting a team over seven innings, a playoff-bound team over seven innings in your major league debut obviously is. And 
you can find some highlights, Dre Jameson. Uh, you know, he, he he looks pretty impressive in the highlights. I will say that. And he's a guy with some prospect standing. So from that perspective, it's not surprising. But from the perspective of him having a 631 ERA in the minors this year, it it very much is. 631 ERA, 149 whip, uh, right out of strikeout per inning. But remember, that was also the issue for Ryan Nelson, who then went out and dominated the Dodgers in his second start of the year. So I'm kind of getting the impression, and I mentioned this last time, Alec Thomas, you know, he put up good power numbers in the Diamondbacks minor league system. I'm kind of getting the impression that it's going to be hard to evaluate Diamondbacks prospects uh, based on minor league numbers just because both of the, both AA and AAA in their system, very hitter-friendly. Uh, of course, AAA Reno is is in a league that's hitter friendly as a whole, and so I was actually I was trying to find park factor numbers for Reno itself, and all I could find on Baseball America was in relation to other venues in that same league, and it didn't really stand out as especially hitter friendly. And 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 I was looking at last year's data anyway, so I I don't know. You know, when you're when you're trying to find obscure stats like minor league park factors, uh, you know, part of the challenge is just knowing where to find it. And if anyone knows of a, a better source than this article Baseball America publishes once a year, then you know, feel free to point it out to me. I always Chris is great at finding stuff like that, just places to find obscure pieces of data like that. But what I'm trying to say is Reno doesn't by by what I can look up, Reno doesn't stand out in that way, and yet we're seeing this happen you know, twice in a row now. Pitchers who weren't supposed to struggle in the Diamondback system, who very much did, and then come to the majors and look great. Now, having said all that, Dre Jameson's next start is against the Dodgers. Is Lightning going to strike twice like it like it did for for um, Ryan Nelson dominating the Padres, and then the Dodgers can Dre Jameson perform the same feat? You know, with everything on the line, I'm going to bet against it. So I'm I'm not sure there's much practical application for him at this point in the season. But, you know, just from the perspective of scouting for next year, Dre Jameson could put himself in a position to be somebody we think about taking late in drafts. So, Scotty, I found an article here from milb.com. That's M-I-L-B.com, where you can find all your minor league stats and lots of fun things for prospects. And according to this article, they have a chart with park factors. This is based on last year. So 2021 yeah, in the PCL. Last year, exactly. Which yeah. could be, you know, it could be different this year. Yeah, it could be. Definitely could be. But according to them, Reno ranked second in terms of park factors in the PCL. And that is out of, looks like 18 different ballparks. So, I mean, that's pretty significant. And they're fourth in home run park factors. So... Uh, again, we would have to find that data for 2022, but at least based on last year, uh, Reno was a, a pretty hitter-friendly environment. So I don't know how much stock we can put into the numbers for specifically the pitchers when we're evaluating them. Like if there's inflated ERAs and whips uh, for guys like Dre Jameson and and uh, Ryan Nelson, I just don't know how much stock we can put into that. And I guess the other side, which you also mentioned, power numbers for guys like Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll. So I don't want to completely just dismiss it and sweep it under the rug and say, oh, these guys are going to be great now. But, you know, I think you, you kind of just take it with a bit of a grain, uh, a grain of salt. It's small sample size so far, but through three starts combined for Dre Jameson and Ryan Nelson, they, they look pretty good. So uh, especially if so, you have either of these guys in, in Dynasty Leagues, that you know, obviously you're excited at what you've seen through the very small sample size, three starts. What was that first park factor number you gave for for Reno? Because uh, you said the second one was home runs, they're fourth. So that's, it's just that's what I have too. It's just in terms of runs, they're second okay. among the PCL ballparks. Okay, so that's, last season. that's interesting. So Baseball America has different stats for last year because they have them fourth and runs mm-hmm. in the PCL as well. Well, either I guess fourth out of eighteen ballparks that, that would still rank pretty highly. Um, but yeah, what I'm looking at is second. So anyway, uh, the point is that maybe these guys are actually pretty good. Ryan Nelson and Drew Jameson, Dre Jameson, rather. Uh, I agree. I don't, I don't think you're, you know, picking up either one, but you know, let's see how they finish out the season. 
Uh, Dre Jameson, 3% rostered. Just in terms of the pitch mix here, he threw his fastball 44%, four-seam fastball 44%. His sinker was 28%. So really kind of just leaning on, on those two fastballs so far. 17% slider, 10% changeup. And he did average 96 miles per hour on his fastball. Uh, but he did look very good. So shout out to Dre Jameson in his debut. Oh my goodness gracious for me, Scotty, is Lance McCullers, who we have not really talked about much since returning from the IL. He put up a season-high 11 strikeouts against the Oakland A's. He went six innings, two runs, those 11 strikeouts to four walks. He had 16 swinging strikes on 99 pitches. His 11 strikeouts are his most in a start since July 29th of 2018. So really great one here for McCullers. Uh, and through six starts, he's got a 2.34 ERA over a strikeout per inning. The walks are just a huge issue. He's got 4.9 walks per nine for McCullers so far. Do you feel comfortable starting him at Tampa Bay next week? They are 21st in Woba against right-handed pitching. I wouldn't say it's a high priority. Yeah, the walks do concern me. And, I mean, this was this was clearly the best McCullers has looked so far, which is is nice to see, but... A one-start week, a pretty good matchup there against the Rays, but still, I think uh, I think most highly competitive teams at this stage of the season are probably going to be better to do be able to do better than McCullers. Uh, if you know, if, if I could get him on my sleeper pitchers week, uh, if I could get him on my pitcher, gosh, I can't talk today. If I could get him on my sleeper pitchers list for this week he would probably rank fifth at best so i i wouldn't say it's a you, you can do it but i wouldn't say it's the highest priority to start mccullers and he is not on your sleeper pitchers list because he i assume is too rostered at this point yeah, yeah too he, rostered he's 89 percent rostered he's 66 percent started which you know kind of makes sense there's probably some shallower formats some 10 team leagues in there 12-team points leagues where you only start five pitchers where Lance McCullers, again, might not be a priority for you, but this was a great start for him. And, you know, if he can finish out the season strong and maybe show us something in the postseason, maybe we're excited about drafting Lance McCullers once again in 2023. We mentioned Dre Jamison earlier. Let's talk about another prospect, a hitter, Jordan Groshans. He followed up his three-for-three outing on Wednesday with his first career homer on Thursday. And it wasn't like a moonshot or anything like that. No kind of crazy EV. But I thought it was pretty impressive. I watched this home run. It was an inside pitch. It was like, it was really in there. And he pulled his hands in. I was really impressed. And, you know, he was able to pull it down the line. So uh, just kind of impressed by uh, just, I guess, his uh, hitting mechanics, his his hitting skill to get that one out. He's only 7% rostered. I don't think he's a high priority either, Scott. But uh, Jordan no. Grosh in six games next week. Does have Cubs and Nationals pitching, so uh, maybe if you play in a deeper league and you're really desperate for a middle infielder, maybe I don't know. Yeah, the Marlins matchups are pretty good, but oh, Grosh, this was the fourth home run Groshans has hit all year, and it, you know, it's 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 not like it was a strong demonstration of power, as you pointed out. He just kind of hit it in the right spot. So I can't imagine any league where I'd be looking to use him right now. All right. Oh, my goodness gracious. Offense from Thursday. The White Sox, they hit five home runs up against the Cleveland Guardians. I believe they were facing a pitcher in his major league debut. Poor guy. I'm sorry. But the point here is that they hit five home runs. Andrew Vaughn hit his 16th. Gavin Sheets hit his 13th. Yasmani Grandal hit his 9th. Yoan Moncada hit his 10th home run. Uh, and in eight games since returning, he's batting 389 with three homers. 91 mile per hour average ex exit velocity and a 52% fly ball rate. So really small sample, but Makata is kind of doing some things right now. And then Elvis Andrews, who hit his 14th home run. That is now the second most in his career. I don't know what's going on. Turn him back the clocks. You know, if you lost out on, if you lost any kind of middle infielder to injury and you just kind of scooped up Elvis Andrews, he has been amazing. 25 mm -hmm. games with the White Sox, 308 batting average, six homers, three steals, We'll get to him a little bit later on with the sleeper hitters. Scott, I want to ask you about Moncada. I read off the numbers. He's hitting the ball hard. He's putting it in the air. 54% rostered. He's got six games next week. Any love for Yoan Moncada next week? I, the matchups are decent. He's got a three-game series against the Tigers. I just... 
it's basically been two games. He had that five hit game in Oakland, the launching pad. And then he's had he had this four hit game on Thursday. In between, he went two for seventeen. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this home run he hit on Thursday was a 420 foot home run. He hit it 104 miles per hour. Now, 104 miles per hour is you know it's hard contact. Is it 420 foot contact? I mean that. I'm sure somebody could uh, tell me. Somebody who's a little more. Uh, more um, statistically minded could tell me if that's normal, but that that seems like I, I don't feel like most four hundred. I, I feel like most four hundred twenty foot home runs are hit harder than that, right? Like something going on. So what do you what are you we getting at, about Scott? The home run to fly ball rate was <laughs> higher in September, the highest it's been all year. I mean, it could just be environmental conditions. The 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 ball stored in the humidor this year, uh, you know, the, the, it's it's just this is the most optimal environment for those right now. But I don't know. It's, it it makes me it just makes me wonder. That's all. And about Moncada specifically, I just feel like it's 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 a lot, but I still feel like it's too little, too late. So I was watching the Diamondbacks game later on, and. To see Trey Jameson, I wanted to see what he was doing. Emmanuel Rivera hit a home run. It was 98 miles per hour off the bat. And they showed the stat cast data for it. And the league average on home runs a season is 104 miles per hour, according to the, the graphic that they showed. So Moncada hitting this home run 104 off the bat, I'm sure average home run distance is not 420. Obviously, not every home run is created equal. I understand that, but... Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not... It's not purely a measure of exit velocity, how far the home run goes. Of course, you have trajectory and, and all of that, but I don't know. I, 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 I only bothered to look into it because with Mon- Moncada's performance at Oakland, you know, it, it, it seemed like it was definitely in, inflated by the, the environment there. Uh, and, and did he hit two home runs that day? See if I can look at. It. I have that sounds right. I have my podcast notes. Like I, I've just work. I've been working off the same document all year, so I have, I have all my podcast notes going back to the start of April. How, yeah. So how do you manage that? I don't know. I'm interested in seeing how many characters it ends up being <laughs> at the end of the year. Oh my gosh. So Moncada, this was on September 8th. Moncada went five for five, two home runs yeah. in Oakland. Both hit a hundred miles per hour. I'm just saying, like he he may be excelling partly because this is the most favorable the hitting environment has been all season, and that could change very quickly because we're days away from the fall. Not that you know, not that climate response to the calendar exactly, but it, it could change very suddenly. Scott, do you have a hat available, like near you at all? Just a hat, a cap, or anything. Actually, like that. I do. All right, let's put that hat on. Let's let's get that on you. It's gonna mess up my hair, though. This is your, your hair will look fine, Scott. Uh, this is Scott is now wearing his conspiracy theory hat. We're gonna take oh, a little trip down conspiracy theory lane because I saw someone chirping about this on Twitter. I forgot who it was, so I apologize. Aaron Judge obviously is chasing a home run record. It's not the home run record. Some people consider it to be the home run record. I don't myself. It is the American League home run record for what it's worth. Obviously, he's chasing Roger Maris, 61 home runs. Would it really surprise anybody if MLB was like, hey, let's mix in some of those juice balls and hopefully Aaron Judge can break this record and we can make a big deal about it and get some eyes on baseball? Would not surprise me one bit, Scott. Hey, like I was saying the other day, people, uh, people lose faith in institutions, the conspiracy theories run rampant. So I, I think I think we're at that point with uh, the institution of MLB. Now, I, I don't know that I subscribe to that myself. I, I don't. I think that requires a level of intention that they generally don't demonstrate and foresight that they don't generally demonstrate. And so I, I don't know that that's it. But I have thought this, and I was tweeting about the other day, and it was, you know, it seemed like kind of a novel thought. We've learned in the past five years or so just how much of a difference, very small deviations in the ball, the way the ball is manufactured can make, like how tightly it's wound, uh, 
the the firmness of the core, etc. Just very small, imperceptible differences can make a huge difference in in how uh, and and how home runs are hit, how how frequently they're hit. So you know, you look back at 1961. You got Roger Maris hitting 61. You got Mickey Mantle hitting 60. And and like home runs were basically up across the league. So I'm I'm just saying, like, for most of the history, the manufacturing of the balls has been done by hand. There there had to be a ton of variability in in how they were put together. Like I I just it just makes me question how legitimate any home run record is, you know, because like so much just depends on the equipment. And I haven't done enough research into the history of baseball to know if there would have been any motives to, I don't know, have a bouncier ball back then. But obviously, no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think anybody knew. Like this seems yeah. like a, a recent. I don't even know that they had the equipment to test that. You know. Right. Yeah, but it would not surprise me if they do it now because we've seen them kind of you know change the ball around in different seasons and different months within seasons. So I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me. Do I? personally believe that probably not and i don't want to discount what judge is doing because obviously he's been awesome but it just would not surprise me one bit anyway let's get back to uh actual baseball shane O'Mac is back here comes the money here we go money talks here comes the money oh scott i've been waiting to hear that song once again and he looked pretty good Five shutout innings with five strikeouts against the Blue Jays. 14 swinging strikes on 69 pitches. That is a 20% swinging strike rate in this one. Velocity was up, seemed to be healthy, amped up in this one. Slider was up 2.4 miles per hour. The fastball was up one mile per hour. And obviously, I'm not going to read out his season-long numbers because he's been awesome regardless. I think he's in line for two starts next week, Scott. So I assume it's all systems go with Shane McClanahan. Yeah. Yeah, and this is pretty impressive. I mean, we knew he wasn't going to go throw 90 pitches, you know, first start back, no rehab assignment, but he got through 69, and as you point out, the velocity was up on everything, so he, he looked great. And yeah, two starts next week. Let's see what those matchups are. Mm. Not that it really matters. It, it might. Uh, I, the I, a- Astros, no. Astros and Blue Jays, it's no. <laughs> not great. I, look, you're starting. Yeah, I mean the matchers aren't great, but it's Shane McClanahan with two starts after right. yes, you're starting after looking perfectly fine in his return. So yeah, they don't matter. How about this? Oh, I hope it lines up this way. It probably won't. But Verlander pitches Friday. Can we get Shane O'Mac versus Verlander next week? I, I don't think it's going to be enough time in between. But man, that that would be fun. Uh, you know, whoever wins gets the Cy Young. Let's just kind of put it on the table there. Shane O'Mac versus Justin Verlander. Uh, Dylan Cease has something to say about that as well. But uh, anyway, Shane, o, uh, Shane O'Mac looked great. Get him back in your lineups if he isn't already. Some players that are scuffling to the finish line, Scott. I've got two two hitters and two pitchers here. Uh, we'll start off with MJ Melendez, who, man, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts here on Thursday. Over his last 30 games, he is hitting 158 with one homer. A 504 OPS. And, you know, we've been getting questions about can I drop this star player? Can I drop this star player? MJ Melendez is not a star, but he is a starting worthy catcher just because the position is quite bad. But at this point, I don't, <laughs> like, you know, I think you could probably drop someone like this. The question is who would you add? So would you be willing to drop Melendez for someone like Cal Raleigh or Danny Jansen or Eric Haas? Those are really the only catchers that are popping off right now. No, I mean, you, it, that's the thing. Like, you don't have to go far down at the catcher position to to get to a really desperate place. Cal Raleigh, I guess, is the most interesting of him of them. He doesn't have great matchups next week. In fact, no, actually, he does. I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong team. No, the, the Mariners do have the second best matchups next week, so I could see that. I guess, especially. If you're okay. talking about a categories league in a points league, I think Raleigh strikes out so much that uh, it, I want to bother. But in a categories league, I could see starting him over uh, Melendez, given how late we are in the season. So, you know, you don't have to worry about. Oh, I'm never going to get Melendez back when he turns things around, and it's obviously not a concern right now. So I can see doing that. Sure. Would you do it for Yasmani Grandal, who? 
I think he returned in was it late August? I looked up his numbers. They weren't good. I think I think this was like his second home run since returning. He right. Yeah. It's, he's just not doing much either. Yeah. I, I mean, there's there's no reason to switch from Melendez to him. Right. All right. So if you do want to go with a streamer, Cal Raleigh, potentially someone for next week. Josh Bell has been quite bad with the San Diego Padres in 38 games. He is batting 204 with three home runs and the ground balls are way up once again, 55% since joining the Padres strikeout rate is also up compared to where it was earlier in the season. Would you drop Josh Bell in shallower leagues, Scott, just for the final couple of weeks, you know, Yandy Diaz is someone who popped out um, for me who hit his ninth home run on Thursday. Obviously like not a lot of power or anything, but if you're playing a points league, Yandy Diaz, his last 30 games, hitting 365, three homers, 11 doubles, just crushing the ball, and he's 77% rostered. Would you make that swap, Josh Bell for Yandy Diaz? 77%, and I, uh, I presume that includes most of the points leagues because right. that is his better format. Um, when you make that swap, well... Uh, well, I, I mean, the Padres do have the better matchups between the two teams next week. I, I mean, I could go either way with that. I, I, I've just continued to start Bell. I, I have him in a couple points leagues, and I, I've just kind of kept running him out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have alternatives as good as Yandy Diaz, I would say. So you could do it, or you could not do it. <laughs> I, I, you want me to give you a definitive answer? I'm sure. I would do sure. it. Sure, bench Bell for Diaz in a points league. I would do it. Would you do it for Joey Manessis? Nah. No. Nationals have really tough matchups next week. All right. A couple of pitchers who are uh, scuffling recently. Kevin Gosman gives up another five earned runs over seven innings pitch against Tampa Bay. This is now his fifth start with five or more runs this season. And over his last seven starts, Gosman has a 5.02 ERA, well over a strikeout per number, uh, per inning, rather. His underlying numbers are still very good during this time. Like, they have been for most of the season. The only thing that isn't good is his BABIP, which continues to be a massive problem. It's up over 350 during the seven-start stretch. It's 365 on the season, which I could, I'll pull it up. I, I think that's probably still the league leader among qualified pitchers. It's just it's so... It's 100 points higher than last year. It's so, it's so weird to figure out. I know he plays in Toronto now, and the artificial turf, you know, maybe when he gives up hard hits, it's just harder to turn into outs there. Uh, but would you continue to start Gosman? And next week he's at the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, I would. It seems like a pretty fluky thing. And and you look at the ERA estimators for Gosman, and, and I know the ERA itself is is plenty respectable, 345. Well, it's a little worse than I thought, actually. <laughs> 345 ERA, but you look at the ERA estimators, you know, 279 XFIP, 241 FIP. Even the XERA, at least coming into this start, was lower than last year. It's it's been going on all year. So that does give me pause. But but sometimes fluke things happen like this with Babip and a pitcher just he just has bad luck all year. You know what? I think it really might be an artificial turf thing in Rogers Center because he has a four point six seven ERA with a one forty four whip at home this year. That is Kevin Gosman, 245 ERA, 108 whip on the road. So, going to have to do more research on that in the offseason. But I, I know Gosman, you know, even with the Giants, he was he gives up a lot of hard contact. It's just he gets so many whiffs that he's able to kind of wiggle around it. Um, but, you know, maybe that hard contact just doesn't work out as well in Toronto. Uh, considering he's on the road next week at the Phillies, yes, I, I'm going to continue to start him here down the stretch. The last one is Miles it's- Michaelis, who... Did you have anything else, Scott, on Gosman? Well, his ground ball rate's really low for what it's worth. It's below 40%. So I think he gives up a lot of line drives too. Like he, he has this year. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that you know, you would you if you, you would think he was getting burned if he was getting burned by the turf, you'd think he'd be giving up a lot of ground balls, right? I would. But that's yeah, that's a that's a curious case for sure. Miles Michaelis did turn in a quality start, but it was like, yeah, one of those not-so-great quality starts. Six innings, three runs, three walks, three strikeouts, and over his last five starts, he is he has a 4.20 ERA 
So, uh, you know, kind of a league average pitcher uh, during that span. He is at the Padres next week, Scott, who over the last 14 days are 28th and weighted on base average. So they're a pretty good matchup. What do you think about Michaelis at the Padres? It's an okay start. I know I would say it's not a must start. It's kind of in the same territory as Lance McCullers, I would say, where, you know, I'd like to have a better option than a one-star Miles Michaelis against the Padres, but if if I feel like that's the best I could do, you know, it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to pick up some scrub to start over him. All right. Well, that is Miles Michaelis, and again, at the Padres next week, and their offense is just absolutely scuffling right now. Before we hit the break, just want to... Let you know the schedule for next week. Obviously, uh, we're only doing four podcasts per week throughout the month of September. So next week's live YouTube schedule will be Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night. So no Wednesday night next week. I'm going to see some wrestling, but you will have a podcast in your audio feed Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, and Friday morning of next week. Let's hit the break, and we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The news and notes, and this might be our lightest news and notes segment of the season, which frankly isn't an issue. Shane Boz will not return the season. He was shut down back in July due to a right elbow sprain. Scott, what's your worryometer for Shane Boz from a dynasty context? Well, anytime there's something going on with the elbow ligament, I'm I'm fearful that Tommy John is just around the corner. Of course, I got that wrong with I got that very wrong with Zach Allen this year. Uh, but Shane Boz is a guy that we've never seen take on a lot of innings, so uh, my concern level is medium. I would say, uh, obviously, he's still a huge dynasty asset. I'm not saying sell him for nickels on the dollar, but I I would have liked to see him get through his rookie season healthy, and clearly he hasn't. And and what's kept him sidelined is is the sort of thing that potentially points to a uh, continued issues. Stop me if you've heard this before. Luis Robert was out of the lineup on Thursday with left hand and wrist discomfort, and I keep getting questions about whether people can drop Luis Robert, Scott, with, you know, two and a half, a little over two and a half weeks left. What do you think about that? I wouldn't want to do that. Now, I, I always wonder when when people bring this up, like, what does your roster look like in, in terms of, like, how many bench spots do you have? Because I would think it's worth holding on Luis Robert just so it doesn't come back to bite you, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't... Early in the season, I you really need... Like you, you can't have enough bench spots early in the season because you're trying to cast a wide net and get all those early breakouts off the waiver wire. But at this point in the season, like using that bench spot defensively, I, I think I think that's pretty high priority. And, and obviously, Luis Robert is somebody who could do a lot of damage. I understand the frustration and, and not feeling like you. I mean, he's not playing right now, so you can't start him. But I'd rather hold on to him. It's a good point that you bring up about playing defense this time of year because I had a buddy tell me about how he dropped Jeffrey Springs last week after his 
three inning outing, you know, where he got piggybacked by Yanni Chirinos. And then his opponent in a two week uh, daily lineup matchup picked him up and used him this week when he had that awesome star, you know, six shut- shutout innings, whatever it was. So, you know, it's, it's kind of rough. You can, you do have to play a bit of defense at this point. It's just, even when Luis Robert has been in the lineup, he clearly isn't himself because he, he's battling this, this injury. Uh, let's mm-hmm. say he's your worst outfielder, Scott. Would you drop him for Oscar Gonzalez? If that, if, if I needed to start an outfielder, like if, if Oscar Gonzalez was clearly the best choice for me to start next week and lo- dropping Luis Robert was the only viable way to get him on my roster. Yeah, I guess I'd do that. But I, I think I'm, I'm talking to a very small sliver of people who meet all those criteria. Right. Alejandro Kirk was out of the lineup Thursday due to a sore hip. Reese Hoskins also out of the lineup after getting hit by a pitch on his hand on Wednesday. X-rays were negative for that. David Peterson will be moved to the Mets bullpen within a few days as expected. Sounds like Max Scherzer will be back early next week. Luis Arise not in the lineup Thursday due to hamstring tightness. Twins outfielder Trevor Larnick had his rehab assignment moved to AAA. He had core muscle surgery back in June. Reds pitcher Justin Dunn was placed on the IL with right shoulder tightness. And we do have one prospect update. There are some rumblings that Rockies prospect Ezekiel Tovar, who has been rehabbing, coming back from an injury, could finish the season in the major leagues with the Colorado Rockies, Scott. So I know there's <laughs> there, there's not much use to stashing players at this point, but I don't know. What do you think? He's a pretty big prospect, Ezekiel Tovar. Oh, he's... he's- Probably, it's like a top twenty fantasy prospect. Wherever right, I, I mean, around. he's arguably the biggest prospect riser this year. He went from being not a top one hundred guy at the start of the year to, as you said, maybe top top twenty. Top, I think I maybe even seen him top fifteen on some prospect list right now. So it's it's definitely interesting, and he'd be jumping straight from Double A, only twenty one years old. It'd be a very aggressive move from the Rockies to call him up. Here's the thing: if he's not up by the end of next week, he doesn't get a single game at Coors Field this year. Right. So there's no point in picking him up outside of a dynasty keeper context. I mean, dynasty leagues. I'm sure he's already rostered, but you know, maybe a league where you keep a dozen players or more, it might make sense to pick him up for that purpose. But I just I don't see us getting use out of him this year. If you just have an absolute dead roster spot that you are not using, I wouldn't mind stashing him this weekend just in case he gets the call and then he has those seven games in Coors Field next week. And then if he doesn't get the call for next week, all right, whatever, you could just drop him again. But it's something to think about. Again, if you just have a completely dead roster spot. Let's jump into week 25. Week 25 already, huh? Only two and a half weeks left. The schedule for next week, we have 16 teams with six games. We have 12 teams with seven games. Two teams with eight games, the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. Thankfully, no teams with five games next week. Starter sit these fringe two-start pitchers. Scott, I have a lot of names on the list. And let's start. It's a, it's a big list this week. A lot of yeah. A lot of quality options, too. If you don't have a lot of two-start pitchers in your lineup next week, uh, that's, that's a problem. Let's start off with our guy, Uncle Chuck, Charlie Morton, going up against the Nationals at home and then the Phillies on the road. I will point out that we got an email from a listener named Lewis who let us know that Charlie Morton has been great this season at home. I think it's a 2-4-5 ERA and terrible on the road. So I think it's like a four and a half ERA, something like that. So, you know, one start at home, one start on the road next week. What do we do? You probably start him. I'm I'm not saying it's a must, but you probably probably do it. As as we went over yesterday, I was saying, ah, maybe he's a matchups play the rest of the season. And then we looked at his matchups and it's like, okay, well, if he is a matchups play, you're just gonna keep starting him. Uh, you know what? I do want to quickly pull up his splits because those are two teams that he probably has faced earlier in the season. So I'm just going to talk about things while I pull that up quickly. <laughs> Charlie Morton so far this season. All right, let's see. Against the Nationals, he has made one start. Seven innings, two runs. All right, pretty good there. And against the Phillies, he has made four starts. And he's got a 4.15 ERA. So, uh, I, you know what? I just kind of feel like, again, the splits, he'll probably have a great start against the Nationals and then uh, maybe not so good against the Phillies. So, uh, do with that what you will. I'm definitely starting him in a points league. You know, Roto, if you have better options, maybe not. But 
Scott says yes. Merrill Kelly at the Dodgers and home against the Giants. I would say probably yes on him too. I know those are, <laughs> you don't like starting anybody against the Dodgers and Merrill Kelly's been kind of shaky this year. I pointed out after his last start that uh, he's been allowing more home runs lately. Again, with this issue of home runs being up in September. But he's still going deep into games, you know? He's still, like, he hasn't gotten throttled. He's just been a little shaky. And with the kind of track record, you know, with the kind of season he's put together, I don't think, I don't think he's somebody you could seriously consider sitting with a two-star week. How about this? Merrill Kelly has made four starts against each of the Dodgers and Giants this year. And against the Dodgers, he has an 8.50 ERA. And against the Giants, 1.27. So, again, do with that what you will. Jekyll and Hyde matchups for Merrill Kelly. Drew Rasmussen is at home for two against the Astros and the Blue Jays. So, you know, some tough offenses there. Yeah, lane yes on him also. Luis, go ahead, Scott. It's just the quality of the pitcher is too high. I know yeah. I know the matchups are tough, but again, with, with as many... With as many solid two-start options, I mean, I, I got 25 two-start pitchers who I'm recommending on some level, even if it's just in a points league. So you're, you, you know, you kind of have to look at your opponent. How many how many starts are they getting this week? Assuming it's a head-to-head league, obviously, and and that might factor into your thinking as well. But I'm not going to let the matchups dissuade me from a pitcher who I think is good and is in line for two starts. Luis Garcia of the Astros quietly has an ERA over four, 4.04 on the season. I, when did that happen? It feels like he's pitched well, but you know, maybe he slowed up a little bit. He's at Tampa Bay and at the Orioles next week. Yeah, so he has good matchups. If he didn't, I might be a little iffier on him, but matchups are good enough that I'll, I'll run Luis Garcia out there. Cal Quantrill has pitched quite well here in the second half. He is home against the Twins and then at the Texas Rangers. Probably just points leagues for him. Adam Wainwright is at the Padres and at the Dodgers. Same thing. Points leagues only. He's been he's been giving up a lot of hits lately. Yep. His 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 whip now, I believe it's around one point two five. That's up two tenths of a point from the past two years. So he's and and mostly it's because of all the hits he's given up lately, but even so it, it makes him you know, he's I, I, I think it's it's turned what's I think his season's turning out to be kind of a disappointment, actually. Uh, he had 17 wins last year. I don't know what he's at now, but it's much less than 17. He has 11 wins, a 3.29 ERA, and a 1.24 whip with, yeah. you know, well under a strikeout per inning. He has 137 strikeouts and 178 innings pitched. It's not great. Not a great season. Kyle Gibson is home against the Blue Jays and the Braves next week. No. <laughs> I agree. Rowanzi Contreras at the Yankees and home against the Cubs. No. Mike Clevenger, home against the Cardinals at the Rockies. No. <laughs> I agree. Brian Bayo at the Reds and at the Yankees. No. I will say, of the four pitchers we mentioned there, if you're desperate, I probably would Save like it. Brian Bayo the most. Not that Save I really it, like Frank. Him, all right, Save all right. it for Fortune Favors the Brave, all right? Don't spoil it. Two star pitchers to add and stream next week, Scott. You have two, four, six names on this list. Who are they? Well, Frank, if you must ask, they are Nicola Dolo, of course, of course. He is the pitcher who I will, cannot stop talking about down the stretch this year's matchups this week, Red Sox and Brewers. Pretty, pretty favorable there, especially the Brewers. They're bad against lefties. Uh, Ross Stripling at Philadelphia, at Tampa Bay. And the matchups are so-so, but obviously Ross Stripling has been very reliable lately. Six straight quality starts, two-star week. I think you go ahead with him. Drew Smiley. You know, we talked about all these guys yesterday. Uh, matchups are ridiculously good. Marlins and Pirates. He's only 35% rostered still for as much as we've been talking about him. And if you did miss the stat yesterday, Drew Smiley in his past eight starts, 223 ERA. So very excited to start him. Patrick Sandoval at the Rangers, at the Twins. 
Okay, so-so matchups, but he's making two starts, and sometimes he's pretty good. So we'll have him on here as a sleeper pitcher. Jose Suarez gets the Mariners and Twins. Mm, you know, we're getting pretty deep on the list here now. That might just be a, that, that might be more of a deeper league play, especially like a points league play. And Dean Kramer, same thing. Tigers, really good matchup. Astros, not so much. However, they're both in Baltimore, where Dean Kramer like every fly ball pitcher, tends to be at his best. Scott, excuse me if you uh, said this. Forgive me if you said this, but you have two Angels pitchers on here as two-star pitchers. They have, even if they have seven games next week with a six-man rotation, can they have two two two-star pitchers? Sandoval and who else? Jose Suarez. Oh, Jose Suarez. Mm. Okay, so let me double-check that. I only started thinking about it because I have Patrick Sandoval in a two-week matchup, and I would love for him to have two two more starts next week. I just don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think good catch. Let me let me double check, see how the rotation's looking. Yeah, they're going six man like they always do. Yeah, that, that that's probably not going to happen. I don't know who got left out here. Okay, I, so I think Suarez. I think Suarez would will have the two, the two start guy yeah. and not Sandoval. Ah, my heart. Sorry about that, Frank. <laughs> you got me hyped for a second. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna take him out. I yeah. don't. I don't. I'm not as excited about him with one start against the Rangers. Jeez. I, so that's going to add Adrian Sampson as a two start sleeper pitcher. He has the same matchups that Drew Smiley does, Marlins and Pirates. Man, I mean those. My gosh, I do not, uh, I do not trust him at all because <laughs> he doesn't miss any bats. But those are two really favorable matchups. He's only five percent rostered. I mean, that's that's as true of a sleeper as you're going to find. Yeah, I, you really cannot get better than that in a two start week. I mean, maybe Tigers well, and A's, something like that. Or yeah, the ma- and you're, you mean in terms of the matchups, not in terms of the pitcher. Oh yeah, I mean, look if. Adrian Sampson on this list. Adrian Sampson is not a good pitcher. He he, right. he has a 3.48 ERA with a 1.27 WHIP. Right, so those two things do not line up. But these matchups are so good, Scott. I I would be willing to play him in a points league, and if you're chasing volume in, in a categories league, I'm going for it. Those matchups are I, just. I amazing. wanted to make him my fortune favors the Brave pick, which is of course not really a recommendation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I don't really want to recommend him, but he rounds out the list here. I got to have a tenth pitcher, and so it's going to be Adrian Sampson. All right, which brings us to the aforementioned fortune favors the brave. I had a name. Well, I didn't get the one start options. Oh right, what am I doing? Well, or uh, do we'll, we do we'll, this we'll, first? Yeah, yeah, we'll do the two star. I think we usually do this first. I don't know. Okay, whatever. Anyway, Sorry. fortune favors the brave. As Scott mentioned, you've listened to us. You know this is probably someone you should not be playing, but. Desperate times call for desperate measures. It's crunch time. So if you are chasing volume, maybe you're down in a two-week head-to-head matchup and you just need all the help you can get in the world. Scott, who will be I your... can't pick Adrian Sampson now because I've already <laughs> used him as just a normal sleeper. You know, uh, I, I, it feels kind of dirty to put Brian Bayo in this conversation because I feel like he's a better pitcher than the ones we normally recommend for this segment. I feel, it feels disrespectful to him. I mean, the talent is there, but has he had a start that's been that useful in fantasy yet? I think he's maybe, been getting better, but yeah, but yeah, you know, still there. There are still issues going on there, so I think it's fine. If you, I'll pick, I'll, I'll pick Dylan Bundy. He has the Royals and Angels. Yeah, those are pretty good matchups. The one I was going to give out was Tyler Wells. He has the Tigers, but then the Astros. So you know, one really good matchup, one terrible matchup. And he's been but again, okay they're, this year. they're both in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. So that definitely could help him. And uh, you know, well, the cherry on top is Brian Payo. We'll we'll give you him as well if you're desperate. But you probably should not play those players. Single start streamers for next week, Scott. Who you got? Okay, so a few pretty good ones here. Trevor Rogers gets the Nationals, and I'm back on board with him, especially with a matchup that good. John Gray gets the Guardians. And he looked good in his return. Short start because he didn't have a rehab assignment, but uh, but I trust him with that matchup. And Johnny Cueto 
gets the Tigers. I say that as if it's the last one. It's the second to last one. Marcus Stroman at Miami. Love it. Great start there. Let's move over to the sleeper hitters. The best hitter matchups include the Giants, who have seven games next week, including four in Coors Field, the Mariners, the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Cubs. The worst hitter matchups, the A's, the Nationals, the Phillies, Cardinals, and the Rays. With that being said, Scott, your sleeper hitters for next week. I don't love these sleeper hitters, if I'm being honest, but it's it's the best we have. So, oh, yeah. Jock Peterson, I think, is the big matchups winner. I see names on here, Scott, that you would never recommend. So <laughs> Exactly. Jock Peterson is the, the, the big matchups winner. The Giants have the best ones, as you said, in four games at Coors Field, and only one lefty on the schedule. So expect Jock Peterson to, to play a lot and take advantage of those matchups. Elvis Andrews, of course, has been hot. White Sox matchups, or at least decent, three games against the Tigers. Keep Brian Hayes. Uh, he's been hot lately and especially good against left-handers. The Pirates have three of those on the schedule. You mean, and, uh, you mean the th- Cubs? Because he's on the Pirates. Yeah. The Pirates have three lefties on the oh, schedule. Oh, I thought so. I, 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 I heard it as you were saying, like, the Pirates have three lefties pitching, and I'm like, wait, that oh, doesn't no, make no, sense. No. No, but he is going against Cubs pitchers, so, yeah. you know, the matchups are not bad. For Brian Hayes, Isaiah Conner for Leffa. let's go (laughs) hey Yankees have the fourth best matchups and he's been as hot as Isaiah Kiner Falefa can be (laughs) we talked about Will Myers yesterday he gets he gets a three game series at Coors Field and uh he's been playing first base consistently hitting pretty well so I do have Oscar Gonzalez and Gunnar Henderson on this list just because I think they're under rostered their matchups are whatever but uh they're not bad enough for, to, to steer me away from them. And, uh, you know, they, 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 meet the, they meet the roster threshold of qualifying for this list. So they're on here too. I'll throw one more name at you. Carlos Santana. That hasn't done a lot. Like, it's basically been home run or nothing. And the, but he has like three home runs in the past week. And he gets a series at Oakland. The matchups are good. The Mariners have the second best matchups of any team this week, and he's at that launching pad. So hopefully he can he can hit a couple home runs in that series and and make him a worthwhile start. A guy who's available in ninety percent of leagues. Again, this is not uh, it's not a terribly exciting list. Hopefully, if you're in your league's championship game or whatever, you have, you have pretty good hitters on your roster already. Man, can you tell that there's two weeks left in the baseball season? We're recommending Elvis Andrus every day here on the show. And now we're talking about Oakland Coliseum like it's Coors Field. Like, what is going on? <laughs> this is, I feel like we need to pull up the weather for next week in Oakland to see whether it's going to be hot or not, right? Like, it's is the, true. Is the ball I mean, going to be flying should. out? Yeah. And just, didn't maybe, do that. Maybe I'll do that, you know, while you're talking about something else. Scott, any love for the Punisher? Aristides Aquino, he went two for four with his ninth home run on Thursday. His last 14 games now, he's hitting 354, five homers, 21% strikeout rate, hitting the ball hard, putting the ball in the air. He's got six games next week. Two of those matchups are against Corbin Burns and Woodruff. So, eh. But widely available if you play in five outfielder leagues. What do you think about Aquino? Uh, mm, not, not particularly excited. Have you watched the show, The Punisher? No. Why not? Why not? It's really good. Well, did it really end? Didn't Netflix just kind of dump all those comic book shows in the garbage after after Disney got the rights to them all? I, it's so tragic, too. I, I think Daredevil is going to make a comeback, which was also very good. I think Punisher was even better. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna invest in a show that doesn't really end. Does it end? I don't think so. No, I think <laughs> there was only two seasons, but they were really good, Scott. Yeah, well. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, all right, so okay. I've got the weather pulled up for Oakland next week. Mm, I don't even know which series it is. Is it is it the first part of the week or the second part of the week? So it's, the uh, the first part like, of the week is not that hot, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Oakland, California, eighty degrees, eighty seven, eighty six. That'll work. 
Yeah, but it's not that part of the week. Oh. It's, uh, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday where it's uh, well rainy highs in the 70s. I, I mean, I don't know what's normal in Oakland is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's pretty normal this time of year, but yeah. uh, I wish we were getting that later part of the week with that Oakland weather. Alas, this is, you know, again, this point of the year, this is the stuff that we need to dive into, right? We're looking at the weather in Oakland. Alas, uh, did I just say alas twice in like 30 seconds? Why did I do that? Let's wrap up with some leftovers here from Thursday's action. Some pitching standouts. Lance Lynn makes it seven straight uh, seven straight outings, allowing two earned runs or fewer. He was at the Guardian, six and a third, two runs allowed, six strikeouts. And during that span, he has a 1.43 ERA, 51 strikeouts to just five walks and a 17% swinging strike rate. He's been amazing. Mm -hmm. Like clockwork, everybody benches Pablo Lopez, and he goes out and has a great start against the Phillies. Six and two-thirds, two runs allowed, five strikeouts in this one. Gets his ERA back below four, 3.99 on the season. Carlos Carrasco put up a season-high 11 strikeouts against the Pirates. He goes six innings, one run, 11 strikeouts with 15 swinging strikes. Scott, anything you'd like to add on those three? Lance Lynn, Pablo Lopez, and Carlos Carrasco. Just so frustrated with Pablo Lopez. All year, like he's he's single handedly ruined one of my teams, and um, <laughs> four of his last five starts have been good, but the one that wasn't was so disastrous that yeah, I couldn't start him against the Phillies, and uh, he bounces back with a nice start. So that's that's just great. Indeed, it is. Speaking of Pablo, do you start or sit next week at home against the Cubs, which typically is a good matchup? How about this guy? So weird that I saw this. Pablo Lopez's home ERA this year, 4.82 in Marlins Park. Yeah. Seems weird. Um, it's a run higher than his overall ERA, right? Yep. So I, I don't know that I, t- I mean, just one awful start could skew that. You know, lean yes on that, I guess. But it's... uh. I'd rather not have to be in a position where I have to think about it all. I'd rather my pitching just be so good that whatever, Pablo Lopez can just stay out of the way. But I lean yes, I guess. How about Carlos Carrasco? He is at the Brewers next week, and their offense in general has not been good over the past two weeks, but they are great against righties. Fourth and weighted on base average against right-handed pitching. Who did you say? The Brewers. Carlos Carrasco at the Brewers. Yeah, probably start him. Okay. Let's move over to some hitting leftovers. Vlad Jr. went one for four with his eighth steal. When did this happen? All eight steals have come since July 27th. Vlad Jr. is tied for eighth most in Major League Baseball during that time. (laughs) That's weird. It's very weird. But it, it just adds a little bit of a wrinkle Obviously, we talked a lot about this recently where there's going to be more steals than ever next year, so maybe ultimately it doesn't matter that much, but if he's... Well, not a, than ever, but more than in a long time. Yeah. If he's a 280 hitter with 35 home runs and, you know, six or seven steals, that matters. I mean, you know, that factors into his his roto output. So uh, for years, it helped Freddie Freeman. So I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know that it will anymore next year, though. I I, I think six steals will be a basically irrelevant given the number of players that are going to have 15, 20 plus. That's my guess. Yeah. And I, I don't think Vladimir Guerrero is going to be one that has 15, 20 plus. Francisco Lindor went one for five with his 24th homer. Jordan Alvarez starting to pick it back up. He has three straight multi-hit games. That's good. Getting hot at the right time. Salvador Perez went two for four with his 21st homer. Better late than never, Scott. 43 games since returning from the I.L., Salvador Perez is hitting 291 with 10 homers, 34 RBI, 92.8 mile per hour average exit velocity, 45% fly ball rate, and that is a 34 homer, 118 RBI pace over 150 games. Yeah. It's more like it. Yeah. Where Way was to that? Go, Salvi. Where if was done that from the beginning? <laughs> yeah. Then uh, I'd be patting myself on the back right now, but he didn't. Carlos Correa went one for two with two walks and his 21st homer, just having a fantastic September, looking to opt out and maybe uh, cash in another big contract. But 
in the month, he's hitting 373, six homers, a 1233 OPS for Carlos Correa. Cattell Marte hit his 11th home run, which ended a 36-game homerless drought for Cattell Marte. I just wanted to take a little bit of time, Scott, to take a look at Marte and figure out what went wrong this season. You know, you look at his career, and it's it's kind of this roller coaster. One year, he looks like an MVP candidate. He was dreadful in the shortened season. He bounced back last year. He looked pretty good once again. And then, you know, we had confidence coming into this year, and, you know, he's he's taking another big step back. 411 slug, 161 ISO. Uh, his home run to fly ball ratio basically, uh, no, it's not basically, it's more than chopped in half from last year to this year. So what have you seen? What went wrong with uh, Cattell Marte this year? You know, that's a good question. I, you look at it even now and like max exit velocity, 96th percentile. Like when he gets into one, he really gets into one. And so that, that makes me think he should be a pretty good source of power. I mean, even the average exit velocity is not bad. It's 68th percentile. It is down compared to last year, though. Quite a bit. But, but yeah, it is. But it's, it's good enough that you wouldn't expect him to have only 11 home runs and, and that extended drought. But, you know, apart from 2019 when he hit the 32 home runs, and 2019 was, of course, the year that everybody set a career high in home runs because of the juice ball, there isn't really uh, a lot of evidence that he's a, a home run hitter of any sort apart from that one season. Yes, he had 14 and 90 games last year, which is a pretty good pace, but not like, oh, this guy's a slugger, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm tempted to say I'm out on Cattell Marte, but like second base is a pretty dreadful position. Yeah. And... You, you still you see that Statcast page and you're like yes you know this this looks like a pretty talented player yeah I, I don't, don't know. know maybe maybe Chris is gonna talk us all into him again next year <laughs> probably that's exactly what I'm thinking right now the yeah. call to the bullpen for the Marlins they had a two run lead Tanner Scott pitched in the eighth Dylan Floro then pitched in the ninth he gave up a run but did pick up his fifth save of the season. That's now two saves in a row for Dylan Floro. He's 11% rostered. For the Astros, Ryan Presley was unavailable. Rafael Montero picked up his 13th save. For the Twins, I guess Jorge Lopez was unavailable. He did pitch on Wednesday, but it's not like he was... Jorge Lopez hasn't had a save in September, and he's been been bad since coming over the Twins. Not good. Yoan Duran uh, struck out two for his seventh save in that Twins game. And then for the Reds, Alexis Diaz gave up a run but picked up his seventh save. He is 40% rostered. Uh, Scott, let's say you need saves. We're going to rank these four. Alexis Diaz, Dylan Floro, and I had the other two on my mind and now they're gone. Uh, Pete, Jose Leclerc, Jose Leclerc, and Pete Fairbanks. Those are the those are the four: Fairbanks, Leclerc, Floro, Alexis Diaz. So this was a, actually Diaz's first save of September as well. Not that that, not that that means he's you know, yeah, he could get one tomorrow. Obviously, it's just That's how saves work. The Reds are bad. All right. Um, so even though he probably has the most tenuous grasp on the role, I think I'm going to put Fairbanks first. And then Leclerc, and then Diaz, and then Floro. All right, to stream or not to stream, Friday, Herman Marquez at the Cubs, Marcus Stroman versus the Rockies, Matt Manning versus the White Sox, Mitch Keller at the Mets, and Bailey Ober making his return at the Guardians. Uh, Let's go with Marcus Stroman and maybe Herman Marquez, but not if you're looking to preserve ERA and whip. On Saturday, Jose Quintana versus the Reds, Hunter Green in his return at the Cardinals, Trevor Rogers at the Nationals, Eduardo Rodriguez versus the White Sox, and John Gray at the Rays. So I got to go Trevor Rogers at the Nationals, which I guess means he's going to have two starts against the Nationals in a row. Generally, that's an advantage for the the hitters, Mm -hmm. but whatever. I think Trevor Rogers is good again. And I'm also fine with John Gray. On Sunday... 1-800-GLEN-OTTO at Tampa Bay. Bailey Falter at the Braves. Kyle Bradish at the Blue Jays. Javier Assad versus the Rockies. 
Marco Gonzalez at the Angels and Ryan Nelson versus the Padres. Not loving any of these. Um, yeah, me neither. If, if if I had to start one, it'd probably be Ryan Nelson, actually, even though I've told everyone not to start him, <laughs> not to bother with him. Yeah, I agree. I, I, if you're really desperate in a deeper league, Assad against the Rockies in Chicago, and, I guess. I, I mean, Marco Gonzalez at the Angels could turn out okay, too. Yeah. But I'm not. I don't necessarily want to sign up for that. Sign my name next to that. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.